So welcome to Sci Section. My name is Yumna Jaffrey, and I am the journalist for the Sci Section radio show, broadcasted on CFMU 93.3 FM radio station. We are here today with Dr. Scott. So thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me, Dr. Scott. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Okay, and we can just kind of start off with a general question. So who are you? Well, I'm an associate professor in the Department of Biology. And I do a lot of teaching and, and research in physiology. Okay, and how about your current research projects? What are they exactly? Uh, well, we do a lot of work to understand how animals can live in the challenging environments at high altitude. Uh, high altitudes are interesting because they're really um, challenging in having very low oxygen levels and they're also very cold. So they're pretty hard places to be. And so we're really interested in understanding how the organisms that live there can overcome the challenges of these environments. I see, and this is probably what led you to kind of researching high altitude deer mice, right? Yeah, yeah. My, my interest in high altitude organisms in general started a long time ago. And I was looking for a research project to do for grad school and it had always fascinated me how some species of animals could inhabit places that were really hard for us and the one that fascinated me the most was high altitude i remember hearing these stories about how if if a low altitude human were flown up to the top of Mount Everest and dropped there, they would go comatose within within minutes or hours. Uh, and the same were true for many low elevation animals. And yet there were various different species could that could not only survive these conditions, but could thrive in them. And what made these environments so challenging is that they're so limited in oxygen availability. We need oxygen to support all the biological processes or nearly all the biological processes in our body to support energy generation. And so how animals live in environments that have very little oxygen had always fascinated me. And so when I was thinking about potential projects for graduate school, for my thesis, I really latched on to this idea of studying the unique animals that live at high altitude. And that sort of kickstarted it. And uh, ever since joining McMaster, I've been uh, very heavily involved doing research on deer mice from high altitude. And these are really interesting animals. They're, they're very cute. Uh, deer mice are the native, uh, sort of the dominant native mouse in North America. So house mice that you might be familiar with are actually from the old world, from, from Europe, uh, came over uh, with colonists, but deer mice have been here for much, much longer. And they're very small animals. Uh, and so when they live in cold environments, it's all the more impressive because being really small makes it really hard to cope with the cold and keep your body temperature up and all that kind of thing. And so we've been uh, really interested in understanding these animals and how they've adapted to the cold, but also the very low oxygen conditions at high altitude. Wow, that's honestly wonderful that you were able to kind of pursue your passion further after your um, thesis, especially at McMaster. So just generally speaking, then, what are some key takeaways from what you have learned? Well, like, like many good biological questions, the answers are, are often not very simple. 
uh, it doesn't come down to a single takeaway message. But in general, what we found is that the ability to live at high altitudes comes down to a number of changes in their cardiorespiratory physiology. And all of these changes help uh, deliver more oxygen to tissues when they're in an environment that doesn't have very much oxygen. So their lungs work better at supporting oxygen uh, extraction from the air. Their hearts work better at pumping blood around the body. The blood's better at holding oxygen. And their tissues are better suited to, to using oxygen from low levels of oxygen in the blood. And so there's lots of, of changes throughout the bodies of these animals that sort of turn them into little super mice, like, uh, like elite athletes of the, of the animal world, uh, so that they can, uh, they can tolerate these conditions at high altitude. So it's like their physiology essentially evolved to basically help them live in these, you know, crazy high altitude environments. Yeah. Yeah. A big part of the story is that they have evolved unique features that a low elevation deer mouse doesn't have, but that's not the only part of the story. So uh, the environment also helps shape their physiology. So we know that the classic uh, sort of expression, nature versus nurture, how our bodies are shaped by our genetics, but also by our environmental experiences. And the same is true for a deer mouse at high altitude, its physiology is shaped by the challenges of being in that environment and acclimatizing to that environment and growing up in that environment. But their physiology is also shaped by their unique genetics. So the, the things that have evolved specifically in those animals. And what's really interesting actually is that those two things interact. So what we found is that high altitude deer mice have evolved genetically and those genetic changes has augmented some of the responses to the environment that a, that a deer mouse would normally experience. So, uh, so nature and nurture seem to be really important in, in shaping these animals' ability. Seems like you've done quite a bit of research um, on these topics, especially in relation to nature versus nurture and kind of like the impact of each or impact of both. So that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and the, this yeah. work has, uh, it's involved a lot of graduate students, but it's also involved a lot of undergraduate students. So many thesis students have contributed to the, uh, to the work that I mentioned over, over the last 10 or 12 years. 10 or 12 years. Okay. Wow. That definitely is <laughs> quite a bit of research then. Um, so kind of in terms of your undergrad career. So what do you think you maybe did differently compared to your peers that kind of helped you become who you are or where you are today? I think the maybe one of the main things is that I just always followed questions and ideas that were of interest to me. I, I wasn't overly strategic about uh, choosing uh, directions that would get me a job or make me the most money. I just wanted to to do things and have a career that was of interest and that always was gonna light the light the fire to get things going and um, would always motivate me. And so so I always just followed my uh, followed my passions, I guess, in in research and and my general biological interests. And and that has served me well. I 
I've always done that and I've always been able to uh, get a job and, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, keep doing the kinds of things that I find so fascinating. So I guess this would kind of tie in with our next question. So the advice that you'd give to students who are listening to this show right now and are who, who are interested in pursuing research um, maybe to the same level that you pursued research in your career, so. I think getting involved is the best thing that that you can do. And I know that can be a hard thing. It's, it's often hard to find uh, a lab that you can get into and get research experience in. So it's, it's maybe hard to get a bit of a start, but so it's important to be persistent and to, to really consider lots of different options so you can get your foot in the door. And just getting a little bit of experience and having a little bit of research success can really get you off on the right foot. And then as you sort of progress, you can really shape the types of things that you're interested in. And um, although it can be a little hard, as I mentioned, to to get things started and get your foot in the door. I think as you develop, you'll be able to really um, shape the, the direction that you go in once you start with that bit of experience. So yeah, do your best to get involved. <laughs> so it'd be, you know, find what you're passionate about and then stay persistent, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And, and a lot of times when students contact me, I'm, I don't necessarily have a spot at the time, but things can kind of come up over time. Sometimes research isn't necessarily planned on a term-by-term -term basis. It's, it's planned on an experiment-by-experiment -experiment basis. So we don't always know exactly how many students we might be able to take on in the lab uh, until we find out the, the findings of the next experiment. And so sometimes it's about touching base a few times, not just once, if there's a, a research group that you're really interested in. Um, but also to, to try and um, broaden your, your pursuit to look into various different places, because sometimes, you know, sometimes one particular research group maybe doesn't take on that many uh, undergraduates, but another one does. So um, yeah, just, just do your best. Yeah, no, thank you so much for that answer. I'm sure it'll really benefit our listeners, um, especially after the pandemic, where I feel like so many undergrad students are really lacking this type of research, as well as the knowledge on how to even get it in the first place. So thank you for, so much for that. Um, and as a whole, then, what do you think our scientific community needs to do right now in terms of maybe you know surpassing these type of boundaries for undergrad students, or just in general, like what what do you think the scientific community needs to do right now or needs the most right now? Well, I think the scientific community needs you and your listeners. So one of the things that I've noticed is that there's no shortage of undergraduate students that want to get involved in research. And that's fantastic. But not as many undergraduates stay in science and stay in research going into graduate school. And I think Maybe part of that is just the, the job market now is, you know, there's so many, there's so many opportunities on the job market coming up. But I think, um, you know, I would strongly encourage people to consider staying in science, consider going into graduate school for research. That might require you to, to you know, to work really hard in undergrad and get that undergrad thesis experience to get in the door. But I'm often finding that, that there's, 
there's a lot of really great people coming into grad school, but there's often a lot of openings as well. And for, for good qualified undergrads to take on those positions. And so, so we need, we need people in science. We need great people in science. So anyone that has an interest in science and an interest in research, I'd encourage you to, to stay in research and, and look to it for its career opportunities. Everyone that's done grad school that I know of has gotten a great job afterwards. So that's not ever something I think anyone needs to worry about. That reassurance is definitely very much appreciated for many who are entering their final years of undergrad right now. And for our final question, what is your favorite hobby and why is it important to you? <laughs> well, it's changed a little bit, but I, over the years, but I think right now I've been, um, the last few years I've gotten into doing triathlons. Um, so that's kind of been keeping me busy. I am far from an elite athlete. I really just do it for fun and for fitness, but it's been, um, it's been something that's, uh, that's kept me busy and I've enjoyed, and it's, kind of nice to sort of feel the metabolic challenge sometimes that the animals I study <laughs> experience. So it kind of keeps me humbled to the, the great feats of athleticism of our, our animals. Yeah, you're incorporating your research into your personal life as well, which I think is always a great thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, and... That's it for this week of Sci Section. So make sure you check out our podcast available on global platforms for our latest interviews.